1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, at your service. Welcome to the
2: St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you
3: can give us a call if you like, 314 314- 436 or one 800 with comments, questions, concerns, or whatever about plant material you may have. Mr. Kelly, before you take off, yes. you were off last week. I was. And?
4: Took a little trip down to Florida. Whoa. Took our new car down there and it was a lot of fun.
3: Wow. Yeah. I thought you were just staying around the house or something.
4: Nope. Nope. We, uh, we drove down. We actually spent three days when we got back. We came back on Saturday because we went to Hamilton on Sunday, which was terrific. What a great show. Yeah. Uh, So we did have some days uh, around here to do a few things and This weekend, I'm going to be doing a lot more because things are greening up out there. (laughs) And then we have the bird warning in Illinois. They have some avian flu issues, mainly up in Cook and Will County, but they're asking people to put their bird feeders away uh, for, I think, until the end of May.
3: Is that right? And
4: it's just the seed and the grain. So not like the hummingbirds and the oriole feeders, those are fine. You can leave those out. I talked with the Illinois Department of Natural Resources yesterday, uh, and so your your hummingbird feeders and that they they're fine if they eat nectar, but they want to keep the seeds because the birds will gather together. They're afraid and spread this. It's it's a very uh, it's kind of like omicron. It's it's very contagious, Ew. and so they're kind of worried about it. Mainly waterfowl, is is what's involved here, but they want people to be careful not to spread it you know, to other birds. So going to have to clean the feeders and make sure that they're all ready. First two hummingbirds showed up last evening. (laughs) I've been waiting. They're a week late. Where have you been? He wouldn't answer me. But yeah, Sue saw me. Oh, there's your hummingbird. Oh, there's two of them. So we're kind of happy. Makes it for a great day. Yeah.
3: Great. Well, thanks. You bet. It is Saturday morning, folks, and we get together and have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting your landscape. Your specialty garden space, your house plants, and what's the difference between potting mix and potting soil? Do you need to improve your soil before you do any planting? How about shearing and pruning and getting rid of bugs and diseases? Uh, Using the information that I'll share with you is going to help you hopefully orchestrate a good strategy for your yard, landscape, plant material, and everything else. But obviously the final judgment of the action you're going to take is going to be on your shoulders. And this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home, your car, or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player, and a new player, is Ashlyn. Ashlyn is producing, so when you call, she will answer the phone. She'll push all the buttons and everything, so when you call, then I can talk to you. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation, if you like. I call it a walk and talk. Today, after the show, I'm headed up to Maryland Heights. And if you'd like for me to come and do a walk and talk in your landscape, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Well, the other day, actually on Thursday, I had to have my car inspected, safety inspection and emissions so I can get some stickers
1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He did it in Maplewood.
3: And as I walked out of the dealer, and uh, that's where the car was inspected, uh, traffic was moving east to west. And depending upon which lanes you were in, there was three flagpoles. One flagpole had a U.S. flag, the other one had a Missouri And the other one had a Maplewood flag, flapping in the breeze. The address was 7601 Manchester Road. This is the Maplewood City Hall and Police Department and Municipal Court as well. And neatly cut lawn jumps the sidewalks in a couple different places. There's a couple of hawthorn hawthorn trees in bloom on one side of the entrance walk and some perennials on the opposite side. They were neatly mulched. There was a granite plaque to honor the Maplewood members of the military who made ultimate sacrifice and backdrop by a trio of trees as well. Other hawthorns were growing and other evergreens as well. The neat thing was they have two fountains. Well, I guess they're fountains. They're streams, fountains, little pools. And they got some boulders around them and everything else. And the trickling stream made a nice, peaceful sound. The ripey was erupting, starting to grow. But the interesting thing was I looked over at one of the pools, and there was two mallards, male and female. The female, I guess, was sitting on the eggs, and the male was just kind of swimming around in one of the little pools. So it was really kind of neat to see. There were some junipers. There were some spruce. Some pines and evergreens. A tulip tree was planted in memory of Eddie Miles. The sign reminds. But uh, be safe and stay off the rocks. There was a sign there that says don't climb onto the boulders. You don't need to do that. Neighboring birds and children were out for recess. And it was great sounds through that stretch of Manchester Road. And the banner reads, get your kicks on Route 66. This section of the road was part of that romantic history. So good gardening stroll in Maplewood at the City Hall. I never I you know, I've been up and down that area a lot and I didn't realize they had those two pools by the front door. So that was really kinda neat. And then to see two mallards there in the pools too. So if you have any questions or concerns, three one four 436-7900 or one 1120 We have phone lines open back after these messages.
6: We're just talking about a grass killer, and if so, what's a good
3: product? Uh, Product-wise, any of the chemical companies that sell the herbicides, whatever chemical, whether it's Ortho, it doesn't Bayer's, it doesn't really matter. Just so it says grass killer on it on the label, and Is then obviously with any chemical, you're going to want to read it. And understand what the label is as far as temperature-wise, if there's going to be rain, you know, within X amount of hours after you spray it and all that other stuff. So it just says grass killer on the actual, you know, label of the product.
6: Okay. Is there any particular one that's better than another? Or?
3: No, not really. They're all pretty good.
6: Okay. Also, I am growing Shasta daisies, and this is for the first time in my life. They're finally coming back. Is there any particular kind of fertilizer, or is it just a regular one like Schultz's that I use for my zinnias to use on daisies? Uh,
3: Probably you're all right. Just, you know, the thing with fertilizers is just whatever the numbers are on the fertilizer, just realize that the last two numbers of phosphorus and potassium, they have a tendency to build up and stay in the soil for a considerable amount of time. And if you use it consistently year after year after year after year, that phosphorus and potassium can become uh, a a heartache for the plant materials that you're trying to grow. So just be careful of that.
6: Okay, sounds good. Thank you so very much. I appreciate it.
3: Great. Well, thanks, Mary. And now let's go over to Sally's yard. Hi, Sally.
0: Hi, Mike. Um, I have a question about daffodils. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, my question is, um, I've heard you say this for many years. Don't cut your daffodil foliage down until it's half brown. Right. What if you cut it off to halfway and let it get brown from halfway down to the bulb?
3: Uh, you could do that, but that's a lot of work. I mean if you want to do an extra cut like that, but usually by the time the top half is brown, the even though let's say the bottom half, Is still has some color to it. It's really not functioning. It's not building up any energy for the bulb for the following years.
0: So the top half is what gives it the energy, and the bottom half is just kind of there.
3: Well, it just kind of holds it. I mean, it's they, you know, the entire leaf, the entire foliage will, you know, create energy. It's just to, you know, to to cut it in half. If you want to do that, that's fine. It's not going to make that dramatic of a difference because the top half. That's where there's flexibility to it, so they kind of lean out and get more sunlight. Where you get closer to the ground, those are really stiff and they don't really open up very much. So they're not gonna, they will, I guess, add a little bit of energy for the bulb for the future, but it's not gonna be a dramatic difference.
0: And when do you fertilize daffodils? Basically, as soon as a
3: first fertilization, I do it three different times. First fertilization is when I see them coming up. In the springtime, with just the foliage, and so I fertilize them with a half label rate. I just change my fertilizers, like I was talking with the previous lady, and then when the foliage is entirely up and the flower stalk is starting to erupt from the you know from the bulb in the foliage, then I fertilize again. And then when the flower is entirely open, I fertilize for the third time, always with half label rate. And I mean, you can get specifically a type of bulb food and everything else i just mix different brands and varieties
0: i see so that all happens within really a couple three weeks well
3: not really i mean the no. foliage starts erupting pretty early it's all going to be weather dependent let's put it that way yeah so you know i mean and depending upon the type of daffodil because some of the daffodils i have you know, I have probably maybe six or seven or eight different varieties, and some of them have already come up. They've already finished flowering. I've cut the flower stalk off. The foliage is still there. But some of them just have j- just started to fully flower within the last few days. So there's early, mid, and late you know late season daffodils. And again, it's all triggered by soil temperature, but it's all sequenced according to what type of variety that it is.
0: I see. Okay. Well, I only have one variety. It comes up fairly early. It blooms and they're all done now. And um, you know, they're crowding out other things that are starting to green up. And so I thought, well, if I cut them back a little bit um and let the bottom half of it um stay until it gets brown, allows more sunlight for whatever is around it. That's why I was asking that question.
3: Well, you could do that, but it's not going to make that much difference. And okay. the other things that are growing are going to start, you know, covering up the daffodil foliage anyway, too.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, thanks so much. You have a great day. Sure.
3: My pleasure. Mm-hmm. And now Hi. let's go over to Yard. Pat, Pat, how are you today?
6: Hi, Mike. This is Pat. Hi. Uh, just a quick question. Well, I hope it's quick. Do you have a remedy for killing chickweed? I put a pre-emergent down this year. I've always used like a fourth step throughout the year, and it's just growing in my lawn like crazy.
3: Basically, it's a broadleaf weed. So if the pre-emergent didn't work, uh, was it, when did you put the pre-emergent down?
6: Oh, probably about a month ago, as soon as I saw the forsythia starting to bloom.
3: So you got the, t- you know, the timing was really pretty good about, you know, in relationship to that. So there's, I mean, that's about really all you can do. Uh, chickweed this year, a lot of the, you know, the horrible weeds have been really robust this year. So <laughs> let's put it that way. And
6: unfortunately, okay. I had read you could put vinegar on it, that that might help kill it. Do you know anything about that?
3: Well, the problem is, if it's been up for a while, it's already started to flower, and the flowers have already been pollinated, and they've dropped some seed. So that's kind of where the problem is. You could use a horticultural vinegar if you wanted to. But the chickweed, you put the—in reality— what you should do is put the pre-emergent down for chickweed in August. Oh, okay. So chick, chickweed is one of the annual cool season weeds. And so it's henbit, dead nettle, chickweed, annual bluegrass, the speedwell. That's the one that grows really flat to the ground with a black, brown flower. So putting it out when the forsythia is in bloom, it was already up and growing and everything else. So the, the pre-emergent didn't do any, any good at all. It helped um, with some of the other warm season annual weeds, like purslane, ragweed, carpet weed, goosegrass, crabgrass, and things like that. But it did not help with the chickweed at all. So put the pre-emergent down for chickweed control in mid to late August.
6: Mid to late August. Okay. Right. Is that part of one of the four steps? Like that they, you know, like the next one would be a weed and feed, and it says it works on chickweed too. But then the third step that would be I guess the one you're talking about.
3: I don't, know. you know, the four-step programs. I, you know, I don't follow those too well, oh, <laughs> to be okay. honest with you.
6: And just another quick question on gladiolas and canna bulbs: Should they be put in the ground now?
3: Sure. I'm. I haven't planted mine yet, but I'm going to plant mine really soon. So, in the ground, gladiolas. Those are not you bought new ones, correct? Uh,
6: no, they're from last year.
3: Really. Well, good luck with that because sometimes they don't do so well the second year out. But uh, some people oh, okay. will have good luck with them, some people won't. But the cannas, uh, those tubers, are really tough and really durable. So you should be fine with that.
6: Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. Yep.
3: And if your gladiolas, after about uh, several weeks, don't start emerging as far as the foliage coming out, then I'd probably go to my favorite garden center and get some new gladiola bulbs. Okay, super. Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve.
7: Yeah, uh, we put some uh,
5: turf-type fescue out earlier this spring, and, you know, we covered it with dirt and everything, been keeping it wet and everything. Is there a, a chance that grass seed could get rotten in the ground and never germinate from too much water?
3: Yes, definitely. And basically, you didn't need to put dirt on top of it. What you needed to do is just rake and prepare the soil and put the seed out and you know then kind of go back and you'll know, water it in so the seed gets off the grass blades that are there and comes in contact with the ground. But, yeah, you could cause some problems with it as far as just being totally dysfunctional. Now, also realize that the weather hasn't been that really warm, so maybe it's just with the exposure of your property and everything else – the ground has still been cold enough that you're not getting the seed to germinate
7: well that's what i'm thinking because some
5: a lot of it did come up okay and it was on bare dirt there wasn't on no grass or no, okay. it was on bare dirt and i'm thinking that might be what it is the ground just hasn't warmed up
3: enough right really. and a lot of times i mean you're never going to really get a circumstance where you're going to get 100% of the seed to germinate regardless of what the yeah. you know yeah so if you got some of it to come up just be lucky. And if you want to basically, uh, you know, to more or less cover bare spots, it's going to take a couple years of putting seed out in in May and September for several years in a row to get it nice and thick.
5: Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you then.
3: Great. Well, thanks, Steve. Bye. See you later. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
8: Did You Hear is the
2: St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
2: On the voice of St. Louis,
3: KMOX. Yes, folks, we do have some phone lines open, so if you have questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Donna's yard. Hi, Donna.
6: Hi, Mike. Hi. I have a couple of quick questions for you. Um, When is the best time to trim a snowball bush?
3: Uh, You're talking about a hydrangea?
6: No, this is a – well, I guess it's a form of a hydrangea, but I've always just heard them called snowball bush.
3: Now, is that the Um, one that blooms early in the spring or is that the one that blooms in the summertime?
6: um, Well, it's it's just growing now, so it'd be more of the summertime, I guess.
3: Basically, as far as pruning goes, you should, you know – Not prune them at all. You should actually plan on how big they're going to get maturity-wise and everything else. But if you're going to do some pruning, I would say let them go, let them flower, and when they finish flowering, then do the pruning at that time getting ready for next year. Because if you start what happens now is if you start pruning now, it may be already forming the flower buds, and then you're just going to cut those off, and then you're not going to have any flowers for this year.
6: Okay. Okay, that's what we uh, we were thinking, but we just kind of wanted to double-check that. And also on the hydrangea, um, what type of fertilizer? We have some at our house, and they get really big and green, but we don't really get any blooms, uh, any flowers.
3: Yeah, so flower-wise, that may be related to the age of the plant and maybe variety-wise, too. But fertilizing doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to get, uh, you know, flowering. So, but the hydrangeas in general, like an acidic fertilizer. Okay. So like acid, something along that line. But uh, if these are older plants, they may be just past the flowering stage.
6: Well, they never have really flowered much since we've had them. Like I said, they always get green, but they never really have flowered a lot. They look healthy, you know, but... I don't know. Maybe it's the variety or something. It may be
3: the variety, but also if you've done any pruning in the past, maybe you've, like I was talking about earlier, you've cut off Mm -hmm. the flower buds by doing the pruning at the wrong time. So that's why I said leave them alone for a couple years and see when they flower and then then make your sort of maintenance circumstance and system as a result of that.
6: Okay. All righty. All right. I appreciate your help. Thank you very much.
3: Sure. My pleasure.
6: And Bye-bye.
3: let's see, where should we? Hold on one second.
2: <sighs> yeah.
3: Let's go over to Joseph. Joseph, is this you? Oh, no, this is Linda. Oh, Linda. Oh, sorry.
2: <laughs> Ashley, yeah, I A. was... I was on the line with that lady who was asking about the hydrange. I mean, I was on the phone when she was asking, and then you guys just sounded really distant, and I got cut off, so I just called back. But okay. Anyway, I'm calling about the can of bulbs. I have probably about 10 of them. I don't know if you were saying that uh, they aren't very viable if you keep them, if that was just the gladiolas or the cannas too. But I have about 10 from last year that were really healthy plants and bloomed really beautifully. They were fine. And I, it looks like only maybe one out of all these is still any good. It You know, it has some bulbs there, and it actually has a little green shoot coming out, so I was going to plan on planting today. But do you think, I mean, the rest of them just don't really have anything except you know, the roots and the dried up brown stuff on top. So do you think all those are just not any good? And what am I doing wrong? I have them, I take them out, I knock the dirt off, and let them dry a bit, and then I put them in a, they're in a cardboard box with newspaper, and even some of the material that the bulbs come in, you know, in the packages, I save that to, to uh, put in put in the box too. So. Is there any way you can keep them better because they are kind of expensive?
3: Well, basically, I have cannons that are probably like twenty-five years old.
6: How do you keep? Them? How do you do it? Well, just What's exactly your what you're
3: talking. At the end of the season, once you know, I don't wait till the frost you know kills starts killing off the foliage, but no. near once they finish flowering and I can tell that the uh, you know things are going to go downhill, I basically cut off the stalks, dig up the tubers clean all the dirt off the tubers, and like what you just talked about, I put them in boxes, cardboard boxes, with layers of newspaper. And some of the ones I have were back... I, actually, they were getting rid of them at the old Bush Stadium. They had big cannas planted out in front of there. And uh, I was there one day, and the guy was digging them up, and I said, can I get a couple of these? He said, sure. So I've got uh, probably three or four different varieties of cannas and some of them are the shorter ones with the yellowish foliage so just all different kinds kinds and types and they're tough and durable now the gladiolas were a different story but the cannas can go on and on and on and on
2: well do you think that these deers all have the bulbs on them still do you think any of these other ones are still any good well i would think that they're guess?
3: fine as long as the tuber as long oh. as a, the tuber that you're seeing slash root system feels firm then you shouldn't have a problem with it at all.
2: Okay. Well, I'll try planting them and see what, what happens. And then can I ask you one more?
3: Question? Sure. And as far as the cannons go, you want to put them about, I grow some in pots and some in the ground. I put them about three inches deep.
2: Okay. Okay. And then the other situation we have is um, it was we have a guy who comes now, a lawn guy that comes just to fertilize in that. And he diagnosed our problem as this, This grass called bent grass, have you heard of that?
3: Yeah, it's kind of like a zoysia, it's a a warm season grass.
2: Well, it is a warm season grass, except if you let it, it hasn't done that yet this year, but it's a lighter color grass than the rest of our grass, which is mostly fescue, and in the backyard has some zoysia, but it'll actually grow and then just lay over on its side. And this guy wouldn't spray for it because he didn't want to, you know, use this, Stuff called tenacity, T E N A C I T Y herbicide. He didn't want to use that with his equipment, so we've sprayed it a few times. But I don't. I just wondered if you could do maybe some research on that and maybe talk about it next week in the first hour, which I'll be able to listen just first hour next week. But um, we're having a real problem with it because it's supposed to spread and. Apparently, this tenacity might be pretty dangerous because you're supposed to really suit up to spray this stuff. Right. But you know, I want to kill myself <laughs> doing
3: this. Well, if you ha- if you have a, just a big patch of bent grass, you can go out there with Roundup and spray it.
2: Oh, Roundup might take care of
3: it. Yeah, and that will kill it. And then you're going to have to come back. It's then that area where you're spraying. Obviously, it's going to kill off everything. So then you're going right. to have s- to kind of start all over. So if you want to do that. I would say probably go after the bent grass, you know, and uh, let's say if really uh, I'd probably wait until and do it maybe in August. That way it'll, you know, early August. Then you can put some new sod down after the bent grass has died or some new seed in September.
2: Right. Yeah, we we did that last year. So you think... Roundup might be – roundup's kind of dangerous,
3: though, too, isn't it? Well, anything is dangerous. Just follow the the label. And, I mean, some people really don't like the roundup because of blah, 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 blah. But uh, Mm -hmm. I've been using it since I worked at the Botanical Garden, you know, decades ago. Let's put it that way. Protect
2: protect yourself against
3: it. The only thing that's really changed with me is it made my hair curly.
2: Oh, well, I would appreciate having Curly
3: here. So. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my parents made my hair curly, but I blame yeah, it on Roundup. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure.
2: Have a great weekend. You Bye. too.
3: And uh, now let's head over to Charlie's yard. Hi, Charlie. Hey,
2: how are you doing, Mike?
3: Very good.
9: I have an easy question for you.
3: My wife and I planted what
9: they call a hardy hibiscus last year. Uh huh. And uh, it's supposedly be able to be left outside year round. Right. We had two of these. One, they're in pretty good size potted urns outside the front of our house. I did what the direction said was to cut them back at the uh, end of the season down to about four inch uh, st- stalks. Right. Now, when do they start to come back again
3: you've probably got another probably a couple of weeks because there's some hearty hibiscus in my neighborhood you know and i do walks couple walks every day and these are not showing any kind of new growth yet at all and these have been in for multiple years so it's just a matter of time more so than anything else there are summer bloomers so the emergence of the foliage and everything else is going to be triggered by your know, soil temperatures but uh, so I wouldn't worry if they were healthy and everything else going into uh, wintertime, you should be okay.
9: Yeah, they they were fine. I cut them back now, and they they look dead. But yeah, it's,
3: uh, right. Um, I mean, they're just totally dormant. So just don't worry about them. Is there should I be putting any kind of uh, plant fertilizer on them or anything now? No, else? not until you start to see some new growth. Okay. Hey, thanks a lot. That's all I needed to know. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, K Garden Hotline,
2: back after these messages. St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
3: Yes, folks. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Mary Beth's yard. Hi, Mary Beth.
10: Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I think you're going to tell me in the fall, but can I trim boxwoods right now? Uh, It's just a little clipping.
3: Yeah, the problem is if you start pruning them and we, the weather gets intensely hot, then you could get some sunburn on them. So okay, you can okay. do it now if you want to rush out there and do it. No, but that's the only problem of doing it. And then I don't yeah. know what shape they are, but always they're kind remember. of round are they round? Yeah. So just make the top a little bit more narrow than the bottom or else what's going to happen is the top will overgrow the bottom and then the bottom will start losing some of its leaves. So just Okay,
10: great. And one more question. Sure. I'm looking for an annual flower that's red that would be in the sun all day but not petunias. <laughs> <laughs> I get tired of picking those dead Dead ones off all summer.
3: Well, there are some varieties of petunias you don't have to deadhead. Really? Yeah, some of the newer varieties you might take a look at those. Oh, okay. That was I mean because they're they're very robust. They're they're clump growers too, so they're moundy growers and not cascaders.
10: Okay. And one more quick question: Can I transplant? um, Oh Lord! Now I forgot what it's called. Uh, Well. I don't know. I guess it was a lie, like my mother used to say, if you can't remember it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. But thanks for your show, and sure. thanks for your help, and I'll look for those petunias.
3: Yeah, this this time of year, transplanting anything is getting a little bit late. So yeah. I yeah. would say you're better off to wait until you know mid to late August, early September, and do it then because the ground will be warm. It will get its roots to Oh, established. I remembered.
10: I remembered. Hostas.
3: Oh, hostas? <laughs> oh, hostas? Yeah, I mean, they're up and growing. I would say yeah. if you transplant them, they're probably going to be okay, but you're going to do some damage to the leaves. So then this year, they're not going to be all that nice. I'd wait again on those until do it in mid to late August, early September, and uh, at that time.
10: Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Have a great weekend, and thanks again. Sure, my pleasure. Okay, bye-bye.
3: <laughs> let's see, lilacs or hosta, those are pretty close to each other. But anyway, thanks, Yeah, Mary Beth. <laughs> okay,
10: thank you. Sure. All right,
3: bye-bye. And now let's head over to Mike's chart. Hi, Mike.
7: Hello. Yes, go ahead. Uh, yeah, um, I've got kind of a unique situation. About 10, 15 years ago, I planted a red maple and... Some big burning bushes around them, and then I plant larope around the base. Well, I usually burn my eyes off, but unfortunately this year the the fire kind of creeped in on my larope but now my burning bushes have got the stems are okay. I've peeled them back I got some green, but the the uh, the smaller ones are all uh dry and brittle uh, is that a byproduct of the uh the, the fire that got the, that lit the uh, larope on fire, or is it uh, the sign that they're aging?
3: It's probably a sign of their aging because I mean, if this is a classic burning bush that gets red in the fall, correct?
7: Correct. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. So if there's old stems and things near the ground, they're probably being overgrown by the growth above it, and then what the plant does is just more more or less compartmentalize those type things because they're not helping with the overall health. In other words, producing food. So then they just shut them off, and so individual, and in, you know, kind of twigs or whatever. I wouldn't worry too much about that.
7: Should I cut kind of Cut all that uh, dead-looking stuff off? Yeah,
3: I would say. I mean, you don't—they're not really emerging with growth yet, are they?
7: Oh yeah, they're all greened out.
3: Okay, they're fully greened out. So yeah. anything that hasn't greened out, then go ahead and just cut those off.
7: Okay, all and, right. And your and liriope
3: well- should be fine. You know, yeah.
7: well, they're all bouncing back real good. Yeah,
3: they they could care less because those the foliage basically you need to cut it off anyway, so just the fact that it burnt was, you know, okay. Okay,
7: yeah, I gave them some fertilizer probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well thanks a lot. Appreciate your your conversation.
3: Sure, my pleasure. And uh, Kathy, uh let's head over to your yard. Hi Kathy.
8: Hi. Thank you for the call. Thank you for your service, too. <clears throat> I have a question um we have an entrance to the uh, villas, and we want to put some flowers out there. That we, Every year we do annuals, and this year they decide that we need to put something out there that's going to come back every year. But we can you know, do a little bit of both. So I was wondering about what to put up there that's going to flower pretty much through the summer. And I had sh- shafts of daisies, but then those sometimes don't do well when it gets real hot in that. Right. And I didn't know, but also the uh, Speedwell, the Victoria, those are like the purple, they get purple flowers. Right. So those, I, I thought those would be a good one. Do you have any other ideas? I would say look at the Coriopsis. Yeah, the Coreopsis, I saw that, that's a, it's a small yellow flower. that was Yes,
3: exactly. And get the one that's like Moonbeam or something. Some of the other ones are just the, the classic type of, you know, sunflower but the Coriopsis Moonbeam can start blooming, uh, let's say, mid-May and bloom all the way, uh, depending upon the weather, till Thanksgiving.
8: Okay, so it's called Moonbeam? Moon moon Moonbeam. Moonbeam. Yeah, beam. Coriopsis okay. Moonbeam. Beam, okay.
3: okay. It's a very fine texture, so you can mix in some of the other things, be it annual or perennials, and uh, yeah. the, you'll get the, a nice texture change with them as well.
8: Okay. Now between that and the okay, the Victoria Speedwell, I've seen that. You know, it looks like it does pretty well. Uh, but also, what about the? Oh no, I got. I lost my train. Oh shoot. Doesn't. Um, oh, can't think of any of it. Oh, it's another purple flower that blooms all the time. Purple much. flower? No, that that doesn't. Yeah. Maybe some of the sages. Sage. Sage. Right. Yes. Basically, so between the, the Victoria and the Sage, what would be the better one?
3: I would say it's personal choice as much as anything. I might put a couple of each one in and then let everybody vote
8: on which they prefer. As <laughs> which a one person, to keep on. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, because they're pretty much the same look, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I just want something because, you know, you, you have to have color. I I like the fact that we put the annuals up there. Yeah. For, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for your help. Sure. I my appreciate pleasure. this. And
3: uh some of the some of the color from an annual standpoint maybe look at the devil wing and angel wing begonias. They're huge. They bloom for a long period of time and they're really kind of spectacular. So
8: Angel wing begonias.
3: Yeah, devil and angel wing both. Devil. Okay. Mike Miller, KMO's Garden Hotline back after the news. 4436-7900 4, 4, or 1-800-925-1120. With your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. Mr. Kelly, I have something to say about myself. Oh, really? Yeah. April 26th. Yes. Which is Monday. Yes. In 1969, I left St. Louis and went into the Air Force. Really? 69. Wow. Life-changing move. Yes, very much. I'd never flown before. So, I mean, to even fly from St. Louis down to San Antonio was like,
4: (gasps) wow. And you joined the Air Force.
3: Yes.
4: (laughs) Did you do any flying in the
3: Air Force? No. Uh, oh, okay. flying to you know, to different bases and right, things like right. that, but no, you weren't a pilot. No, <laughs> 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 I. They said nobody with curly hair could be a pilot.
4: Well, then you know, well they didn't they cut it all off.
3: <laughs> yes, they did. So Nineteen
4: sixty nine. I'm sure they did.
3: Yeah, I was in uh, air intelligence, oh, so
4: either okay.
3: satellite imagery looking at industrial sites to see what the Russians and people were doing, right, or when I was involved in the war directly. It was uh, B-52s, when they dropped their bombs, they took pictures. Yeah. And when they came back, then we analyzed the pictures to see if they hit the targets.
4: Really? You know, that's interesting because I just covered this week, they announced a new uh, institute to help with the NGA. what you were doing right exactly. I mean, you know kind of I, I'm sure it was kind of uh, old old school back then <laughs> right. you know you get the little black and white picture and look at it and now it's all technology that's crazy but that's right. that's really neat
3: yeah it was really uh caught me totally by surprise yeah know? I took the test and they said uh I thought oh, I wonder what I want to be able to do and they said you can pick any job you want <laughs> <laughs> and you chose intelligence yes <laughs> well that was
4: intelligent right exactly. yes well good. well thank you for Helping our country. Right, 69. It's just
3: hard to believe that. Isn't long that ago. crazy?
4: Yeah. yeah, you were only like, what, six?
3: Yeah, I was six. Yeah, wow. 19. <laughs> wow,
4: that's crazy.
3: <laughs> so, anyway. Well, great story.
4: Thanks for telling yeah, that. Sure, it's my neat. pleasure. Yeah.
3: Yes, folks. And by the way, thanks for having me on your show. And we can discuss plant selection, caring for ups and downs and all arounds of annuals. The pansies are really getting – I mean, they're spectacular this year. The bulbs, some of the bulbs, earlier blooms, uh, my uh, bright sides, reds, tulips, uh, they're just about finished now. So they're dropping the petals, but uh, there's still a couple weeks of those. It was just nothing but striking. And edibles, ground covers, houseplants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines – And I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path that will take you towards success, but strictly offered for you to consider. And across the big board is Ashlyn, and she is producing. So when you call, she'll answer the phone, and when she's not answering the phone, she's pushing buttons and everything else. And during the week, I spend time and weekends doing landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. Today after the show, I'm headed up to Maryland Heights. And you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and my email address and phone number are there, and uh, I'll come and spend 40-plus years of experience related to plant material and, and with related to your plant material. Tip of the Trial is a special recognition for individual, group, or situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the Trial just goes out to everybody who's made this spring absolutely spectacular whether it's trees that they have in their yard, plants, annuals that they've planted, be it pansies, the bulbs they've planted. I just found this year has been the most striking spring that I can remember as I wander through the neighborhoods and everything else uh, for my daily walk. So thank you to everyone that spends time out in their yard. And uh, it's really, like I said, totally enjoyable right now. So a tip of the trial goes out to all you people that have done a really great job making spring of 2022 the best one i can possibly remember so anyway if you do have any questions or concerns 314-436-7900 or one eight hundred 925 let's go ahead and take diane before we go to a break hi diane hi
6: last fall i planted several green giant arbor vitae mm-hmm. in an open field and some of them have turned yellow quite a bit, which I think is from wind burn. And what should I do to them?
3: Ooh, that's not a good sign. It could be wind burn. It could be we have had a lot of rain. So, who installed the the arborvitae? You? Yes. So, did you plant them so the top of the root ball is above the surrounding ground? Yes. Okay, so you did everything fine. So, other than that, that's. I mean, if there's Losing color, then there's not really anything you can do that's going to make that change. You're just going to have to kind of watch them and see what happens. So I shouldn't trim
10: that off?
3: No, I'd leave it alone, If a, at least for a little while longer. If we get into, let's say, June or something, and it's, still, it's going more, rather than yellow, more towards brown and gets right. kind of crispy, then I'd go ahead and cut it off. But the unfortunate thing is with the arborvitae, once you cut a section off— It doesn't possess the ability to fill that bag back in.
6: Oh, that was my next question, because one of them has deer damage, (laughs) and I was going to ask if it would branch out again. Well,
3: it really won't. I mean, that's an unfortunate circumstance. Some plants do, but the majority of, most of the conifers really don't have the ability to push out growth, and especially the arborvitae. Okay. Okay, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And Bye-bye. this is May, and this is a time of year if your azaleas and rhododendrons have already finished flowering. Uh, probably, I've seen quite a few that have been in flower. Maybe some of the varieties haven't bloomed yet. But this is a time when you want to go ahead and just pinch the flowers, spend flowers off if you want. To me, that's way more trouble than what it's worth. But uh What they need to have, though, is when they finish flowering, is a fertilizer for acid-loving plants, and that's really crucial. And if you have any kind of broadleaf evergreens, be it boxwood, be it azaleas, be it rhododendrons, be it holly or anything else, that the foliage is losing its color, then you need to get probably the soil pH is getting a little bit alkaline, and especially if they're close to the house foundation because the alkalinity is coming from there. And so consequently, you need to get some... You know, iron sulfate help change the pH and then some fertilizer as well. And with pretty much anything, you should go ahead and read the label as far as the fertilizer you're putting down. And it's better off to do like two fertilizing at half the label rate as opposed to one with a lot of fertilizer. So that's just kind of what I've, you know, sort of established over the years. And if you do have moms and your moms are starting to produce some new growth, Once that growth gets about three inches or so, pinch about an inch off the mums so you can get them nice and bushy. So we do have, again, phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. In the spring flowering shrubs, once the flowers start fading, this is a good time to prune them. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
2: This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
3: Yes folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. The weed circumstance, the cool season annual weeds, they all germinated last August. They are absolutely exploding. That's everything from henbit bit to dead nettle, to chickweed, to annual bluegrass, to prickly lettuce, to Persian speedwell, rabbit's foot clover, shepherd's purse, those are the ones that germinated last August. They've been growing through the entire wintertime, but now they realize the days are getting longer and their lifespan is not going to go on for much longer because when the weather gets warm, they disappear. You think, oh, they're just gone. No, they've dropped seeds, 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 thousands of seeds, millions of seeds, And, boy, those seeds will just lay there until next August, and then they're going to germinate, and the weed problem is going to get worse and worse and worse. So just realize the cool season annual weeds are just exploding with growth right now. So go out and take a look at your bed spaces, your lawn, and things like that. If you do have any kind of problems that you don't recognize, find out what it is, and find out if you need to put a pre-emergent down next August. Let's head out to Pam's yard. Pam, how are you today?
11: I'm good. I have a question about a crepe myrtle. Uh, this has been in the ground probably seven, eight years. It's a short one. I couldn't tell you what the name of it is. Um, it only grows about three and a half four feet tall. It has blooms on it that look like a lilac bush. I have done what it said when I put it in. I leave after it blooms, I leave the stalks up through the winter. And then in the spring, the new growth comes out the bottom. I wait until it gets about four inches tall, and then I cut off all the old branches. Well, this year, the leaves are coming out the old dead branches, and nothing's coming up the bottom. What's going on?
3: Well, that's normally what happens. So the fact is, you know, the root system is just not pushing out any new growth. But, uh, you know, the crepe myrtle just in general, the old stalks, the old stems, the old twigs, They generally are the ones that, you know, produce foliage slash flowers for the, you know, the upcoming year.
11: I've never, ever had this happen. It's always come up out of the bottom.
3: Well, it's probably, you know, with whatever situation it was, there's nothing wrong with it coming out of the bottom. But the fact is normally it's going to be, you know, there could be some because they are clump growers, there's going to be some growth coming out of the root system. But also the above-ground growth, sometimes if we have a severe winter, the above-ground growth gets killed, then it's definitely going to, you know, the new okay. growth is going to have to come out of the ground. Okay, but well, uh, So, no, everything should be fine.
11: Yeah, I was going to let it go and just see what happens, but it's never done that. I was surprised. <laughs> okay, all right. Other than that, everything in my garden is looking great.
3: All right, perfect. Thank you. Yep. And Bye. now let's go from Pam's yard over to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda.
12: Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, I have a question about hydrangea trees. I've got a couple of quick fires that I bought two years ago. When I bought them, they were real pretty blooms on them. They look beautiful. Last, they told me not to feed them. They didn't need anything. And then last year, they got their buds on them, but they didn't get flowers. They just, nothing on them. And then now they're starting to bloom. Come out again? Is there something I can feed to get that flower that I had bought when that looked like when I bought it?
3: Yeah, basically. what Or what color were the flowers? Were they white? Were they blue? White. white. so Yeah. So basically, the hydrangeas in general like an acid-based fertilizer. So just go to your favorite garden center and see what kind of you know, tell them what you have and let them whatever variety they have for acid-loving plants.
12: Acid-loving plants. Right. Okay, gr- great. Thank you for taking my question.
3: Yeah, and uh, w- really the hydrangea trees are just a sh- uh, hydrangea shrub that's been pruned to look like a tree. because there's t- Right. So. I mean,
12: it's just I didn't get any flowers last year, and I don't want to be that way this year. Yeah,
3: and so, the I mean, the feeding can certainly help, you know, and hopefully they're planted in a good location as far as exposure and everything else, and if they're leafing out, then that's about all you can do is try to fertilize it and see if you can kind of trigger that. Okay, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's Bye-bye. go from Linda's yard over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Bill. Yes, Bill.
13: Oh, hey, uh, Mike, I got two quick questions. One is normally what's the shelf life on uh, grass seed? If you have some left over from last year, year before, is it is it still good what is the shelf life on that? Yeah,
3: it just depends if it's in a basically in a plastic bag, which I'm assuming it is. If it yeah. got humid on the inside of the bag, that can be problematic for it. But there's still, regardless of how humid it was, and you know, or whether it was in perfect condition or anything else, it's gonna you probably several years. You know, at least some of the seed is gonna germinate.
13: Okay, great. And one other, one other quick one, uh, I got a couple of nice boxwood uh, bushes. And uh, is it safe to trim that new growth coming out now? It's, it's really got a really good color, dark green, healthy-looking bush. And is it safe to cut off that new growth now, or should you wait later or not? Um,
3: it's up to you. You want to cut it's, off the growth just because you it's getting too big? Is that what the problem yeah. is?
13: Well, yeah, I didn't want it to get too big. Correct.
3: Right. So you could go ahead and cut off the new growth if you want to just be really cautious and don't cut back too far, because if you cut back too far, you're going to get to the point where there's no, let's say, leaf buds left on that stem. And then you're going to end up with the skeletized twigs.
13: Okay. And one other, one other quick question, if I can, I'll let you go. It, uh, I got a rose bush. I don't even know what kind it is. I, and it's really hardy. It's not a knockout rose, but uh, pretty quickly after spring, it starts getting black spots on the leaves. Is there some powder or something I should put on that? Yeah, or?
3: that's a that's a, actually a fungus. So you should get a fun. Go to your favorite garden center and tell them you've got, you know, leaf spot oh. on your roses, and they'll give you the fungicide for it. Okay. Thank you, sir. Sure. My pleasure. Bye-bye. And now let's go to Paul's yard. Hi, Paul.
14: Yes. Um, I have a backyard. It, there's no utility to it. It's about 10 foot. And it's really slope steep, tired of cutting it. Um, it's not that much for yard, but it's hard to cut. I was wondering, is there a ground cover that I could put on there or kill the grass or what, what process would I take? to Put something in there that I don't have to mow.
3: Yeah. Uh, what's the exposure? Is it full sun?
14: It gets some sun. or some leaf, trees and leaves, but yeah, it, it grows pretty good. And I'm—it's just hard to cut. Yeah, it's not a not a lot of land though.
3: I would say maybe look at Liriope, L-I-R-I-O-P-E, and then get the variety variety spicata, and that's a spreading type liriope.
14: Do I have to kill the grass
3: first? Yeah, I would say you sh- you should. And the problem is you can't use a brass a grass killer on that because the liriope has a blade-like grass. Now, if you want a broadleaf weed that you wouldn't have to necessarily kill the grass ahead of time, you could you you, in that kind of situation you could use periwinkle, which is basically a broadleaf evergreen with blue flowers this time of year, or some of the Bulgarian, Baltic, or English type ivy.
14: Will it just continue to spread and then just place the grass?
3: Yes. Well, it won't really kill off the grass. The grass will, you know, it will take a lot of the energy away. But then once you get the ground cover in, if you use a broadleaf, you know, type ground covers like the periwinkle or the ivies, then you can use an herbicide grass killer, which will kill the grass out of the ground cover.
14: Okay. All right. Periwinkle and And the first one you
3: said? Uh, well, probably since what you want to do make it easier on you, I'd say skip the liriope and go with, like, periwinkle or some of the hearty varieties of ivies.
14: Okay. I appreciate your help, sir. Have a good day. I love your show.
3: Well, thanks for having me on your show. Remember, if you weren't <laughs> there, I would not be here. So, thank you. All
14: right. Thanks. Have a good weekend.
3: Yep. And let's see if we can get another one before break. Let's go to Jennifer's yard. Hi, Jennifer.
2: Hi, Two quick questions. One, uh, my hydrangeas have the wood sticks sticking out of them um, from last year. Do I pull those? Do I cut those? That's one question. The other quick one is I have a, a pencil cactus, and I'm not, not having much luck with it. It's an indoor plant. Do you have any tips on watering and sunlight? Thank you.
3: Basically, the pencil cactus needs to be in bright sun all day long every day. And they're not really all that attractive. they That's why they call them pencil cactus. So they will get some little leaves on them, but they don't do much beyond that. And uh, as far as the hydrangeas, I just leave them alone.
12: Okay. What about watering the pencil cactus? Uh,
3: uh, rarely.
12: Oh, that's the problem then. <laughs> Thank you.
3: <laughs> any of the any of the cactus people, you know, meaning a plant, they don't really like a whole lot of water. And the more water you do, you... <laughs> basically rotting off the root system and then the top growth goes whoops okay thank hill.
6: you yep. love your show
3: well thanks for having me on your show mike miller km wash garden hotline back after these messages
5: are here join me weeknights at six for the meyer jensen sports open line we've got everything in sports covered for you but of course we're going to be on top of the cardinals all the latest and best information for you right here on your home for the cardinals KMOX.
2: This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Back to
5: the phones we go and let's head over to Eric's yard. Hi Eric. Hello. Hi. Uh, Like a suggestion on a bush, uh, it would be placed between the uh, uh, concrete basement wall, a retaining wall, and five steps to go up to a deck. The space available there is probably about 40 inches by 40 inches. So I'm looking for some type of bush that would be colorful, and obviously the root ball would not be evasive to the uh, concrete walls.
3: Right. I would say you've got a couple different choices. Uh, One would be... Uh, Nandina, N-A-N-D-I-N-A. Nandina, which is heavenly bamboo. It's not technically – it's a, that's just a common name. But it grows in a nice round shape, and it's broadleaf. And it's – depending upon the variety you get, some of them will have green leaves. Some of them will have red leaves. Another f- option would be, if you wanted something evergreen, is the globe arborvitae, which grows in a natural round shape. And I'm just saying – in that kind of situation, just the more of the rounded shaped shrubs are gonna probably be a little bit more interesting.
5: Okay. Well, thank you very much.
3: Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, those two thank are those two and you could even do a combination of the two. You just don't have to have one and the same, you know, or all the same. So maybe think about that aspect.
5: Okay. Can you do you trim those back annually then?
3: They don't need to be pruned at all. Never pruned.
5: Oh, okay. And especially
3: right. if you get the, you know, if you get the Globe Arbor make sure you get the Hets H-E-T-Z Hets variety because that's going to be a little bit more. That's going to be the dwarf one. That's only going to get between knee and waist high.
5: Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, sir.
3: Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Marilyn Jard. Hi, Marilyn. Hello, Marilyn. Marilyn, are you there? Oops, I guess not. Oops. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, Marilyn. Just give us a call back. Let's go over to Marsha. Hi, Marsha.
0: Hi, Hi. I have a question about my clematis. It's a Jack Jackman, is it called? Jack Manny? Yeah. Um, I planted it last year and this year it just went crazy and is above my trellis and it's all tangling up. Any suggestions what to do?
3: Just leave it alone. If you're getting that kind of growth and it's only been in the ground one year, you've been very lucky. But don't do any kind of pruning. Just leave it alone for the first couple years, and because the amount of foliage on it is going to help the root system get established, and then you're going to get the you know the the flowers that you want.
0: Okay. Well, in the fall, should I cut it down and put a larger trellis there?
3: Uh, it really depends upon you. If you think you need a larger trellis, but you don't really. So you need to cut it down so you can get it off the existing trellis? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Uh, I would, to be honest with you, I would go ahead and just leave it on this trellis as much as hassle, as it seems like, for at least probably two years or so so you can get the root system well established.
0: Okay, so with it all tangling up over the trellis, that doesn't matter?
3: no it really won't. Whether you cut it down ultimately or you know or whenever. It's not the ideal thing to do, but you didn't realize how big this thing was going to get. And clematis. No, yeah, some of the varieties really get huge. There's no getting around it.
0: Well, i was even debating if I should put a larger trellis behind it so all those uh tendrils that are coming up have something to hold on to.
3: Right. Well, you could certainly do that. I mean, there's that's a that way you're not going to have to basically cut it back down to the ground and then, you know, have some a new uh, resurgence of growth that may th- – the reason why I'm saying that is it takes a couple years of establishment before you're going to get too many flowers off a of clematis, three or four, sometimes five years before you're going to get other than just a single or a few flowers. So if you cut it back down to the ground, then you're kind of starting that process all over again.
0: Okay, I see what you're saying.
3: All right, well, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, the Jackmanii Clematis, that's a very popular variety. Let's go now to uh, Al's yard. Hi, Al.
5: Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning. Uh, question. So I've got an area uh, between a sidewalk and a house that's mostly in the shade. I'm looking for some kind of a plant I can put in there that would be low and flowering that would kind of spread out just to make a ground cover. That wouldn't really require any maintenance or anything, but it it's mostly shade. And the things I look at seems like they need mostly sun.
3: Well, it just depends upon, you know, what you're really looking for. I mean, you could look at something that has colorful foliage, maybe a combination of like, uh, so it's basically all shade for the most part.
5: Yes, right, right. By noontime, it's in the shade.
3: Yeah, I would say look at the Japanese painted fern. Uh-huh. As, as an option because they have silverish foliage. They're not really flowering silverish with maroon highlights. And then uh-huh. maybe, uh, uh, get a coral bell, which has a purplish leaf, like palace purple.
5: Okay. Coral bells,
3: coral bells, get a purple leaf variety of coral bells.
5: Uh, huh.
3: and then with the, the Japanese painted fern, the combination of those two things.
5: Japanese painted fern. Okay. Right. Very good. All right. And, um, Those would kind of then uh, creep and spread out over time if you planted a few. Yeah,
3: they're right. Exactly. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to overgrow the space. If you want to have, you know, some kind of ground cover in there, uh, look at probably uh, yellow money wart, M-O-N-E-Y, money wart, or Mm -hmm. some people will call it yellow creeping jenny. Yellow creeping jenny. Yeah, and that grows very flat and will grow in, you know, in a shaded environment.
9: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right.
5: With those, I guess um, those things wouldn't uh, coexist together. Which would you say would be the the best one to have to have success with it? Or are they pretty much
3: equal? Uh, I mean, the the yellow creeping Jenny or the yellow money ward, that spreads a lot more than the other two.
5: I see. Okay. Very good. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks so much.
3: Sure. My pleasure. And well, now bye. let's go to Marilyn. Hi, Marilyn.
10: How are you? Hi, I'm fine. How are you? Good. Okay, good. I heard you recommend some coreopsis this morning, and I have a big patch of coreopsis, but I'm wondering if I'm supposed to deadhead them at any point. It seems like after the first flourish of bloom,
12: they'd still bloom, but not as much. Maybe that's normal.
3: Well, it depends upon the variety. Some of the, There's about four or five different varieties of coreopsis. The moonbeam one, you don't have to deadhead at all. Some of the okay. other varieties, they have more of a – the moonbeam one grows kind of in a natural, rounded shape with a very fine texture look. Some of the other varieties have more upright stalks, and those uh-huh. need the deadheading.
10: Okay. Mine has kind of a feathery-looking stalk. Uh,
3: uh, yeah, it's kind and
10: of, I think it's the sun thing. It's a, just a little yellow flower. right. Maybe they all are. I don't know.
3: They are. They're okay. all yellow flowers and relatively small. But, okay. uh, you, the, like I said, the moonbeam variety doesn't need any deadheading whatsoever.
0: Okay. All right.
3: Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure.
10: Okay.
12: Bye bye.
3: Bye. And now let's go to Jan's yard. Hi, Jan.
12: Hi. Hi, Mike. I have a new little dogwood. This is the first year of part, and it actually bloomed. Whoa. Which I, I thought that was unusual for it to bloom the first year, isn't it?
3: Yes, very much so.
12: Well, it's blooming and I did fertilize it in March and I was wondering if I should fertilize it again, say April or May. Uh if you're gonna fertilize it, dogwoods like an
3: acid, you know, acid circumstance. Right, right. So but I would you know, I'd be a little bit, you know, hesitant about fertilizing it because you might force some growth that's not necessarily needed. Hopefully, uh, how tall is it? Oh gosh, I don't know, six feet. Okay, so it's not really a young, it's not really like a twig, a new cutting. No, it's not a twig. Okay,
12: Uh, but I had it planted last fall, and I really didn't give it a chance at all of surviving. Well, it had the bud. You
3: know, the flower buds were set on it last year, so when it was put in the ground, so that was okay. uh, and,
12: okay, but I was shocked that it bloomed. <laughs> I, knew
3: that,
12: I knew that was unusual.
3: So, do you have mulch around it? Yes. Okay, so just make sure the mulch is, you know, kind of keep it pulled back away from the trunk and, uh, you know, a foot or two around perimeter. So, you know, two or two or two and a half feet of, you know, diameter of the mulch and only about uh-huh. three or four inches. Okay. Okay, well, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have phone lines open back after these messages.
2: Is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis
3: KMOX. Yes, folks, this is a perfect time to get your soil tested. Uh, I mean, find out what's going on. Especially if you've been using the same fertilizer on your lawns for a couple years you may be creating more problems than good with that fertilizer. So just keep that in mind. Get it tested, please. Not just your lawn fertilizer or lawn soils, but all your garden soils. Let's head over to David's yard. Hi, David.
9: Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I'm planning on planting tomatoes, peppers, and cucumbers in hanging bottles inverted, not uh, hanging baskets where they fall over the edge, but actually where they come out of the uh, bottom of the bottle. And I'm wondering what you'd recommend as a uh, soil mix or a potting mix or uh, organic uh, the composted manure. What should I fill those bottles with?
3: I would say use just a potting mix, not potting soil. You can add some organic materials to it, but it's probably not going to be necessary because all the things that you mentioned are going to have to be routinely fertilized. But potting mix is by far the best to grow those plant materials in that situation.
9: I have a Miracle Grow potting mix, That's which great. already has that Miracle Grow um,
3: fertilizer fertilizer
9: in it. Um, how long lasting should I count on that fertilizer uh, through a vegetable growing season, or should I think about uh, refertilizing in a month or two or whatever?
3: Yeah, I would probably the longevity factor of that fertilizer mixed in with the potting mix. I've never really been all that happy with it. I've played with it a couple different times, so you can go ahead and let it. You know, maybe after a couple weeks, maybe a month then go ahead and start doing some fertilizing besides what came with the potting mix.
9: Just a uh, general for vegetables, uh, over-the-counter fertilizer.
3: Yeah, that should be fine. Don't do triple 12 or triple 10 or anything like that because that's, you know, just kind of stay away from those. But get one specifically kind of formulated for, you know, what you're trying to grow, the vegetables. Yeah, sort I, of want,
9: I want fruit. I don't want leaves. So. Yeah, exactly. low uh, first number, I'm guessing.
3: Uh, yeah, and not necessarily super high second two numbers either. So the nitrogen okay. can be high. It doesn't really matter because the nitrogen will become a gas after only a, a week or so and head up into the air. So you don't have to worry about the nitrogen high level, you know, with the numbers.
9: Just low numbers on all three.
3: Yeah, I would say that would probably be your best best way to go. Okay, Mike. Thank you. Have a good day. Sure, you too. And now let's go to Karen Jard. Hi, Karen.
6: Good morning. Um, I have a bittersweet plant that I planted oh, probably about five years ago. I didn't realize they get as big as they do. <laughs> um, is now a good time to dig that up?
3: You're going to dig it up and get rid of it?
6: I thought about transplanting it somewhere where it would have more space.
3: I would say digging anything up right now, you're going to really destroy a lot of the root system And then it's going to be in the new location being faced with our summertime. So I would say, no, don't do it now. I would say live with it as it is and do it again in late August, early September.
6: Okay. Also, it never has really gotten, you know, those little orange flowers on it. Right. Do you have to have a male and a female? No. Okay. Maybe I just got a dud.
3: Yeah. (laughs) And the male and female thing is just for pollination to get the, you know, to get the fruits. So, but, no, bittersweet shouldn't have to have a male and female.
6: Okay. Thank you for your help. I appreciate it. Hey, should, should, should I cut it back before I transplant it?
3: Yeah, you could certainly do that. But, again, not until, you know, late August, early September.
6: Okay. I'll mark it on my calendar. All thank right. you.
3: And now let's go over to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Oh. Good morning. Good morning.
0: I, I have to report about a, a crazy robin. I was a lady that broke her hip and couldn't get on the roof to put something on the window. I had a transom window, and the robin kept pecking the thing. For five weeks, that thing pecked every single morning. <laughs> anyway, we put construction paper on it. It didn't work. And then we tried the curly ribbons that were shiny, and we we, we taped those on the inside, and it worked.
3: Really? On the inside.
0: Yeah, yeah, it worked.
3: Well, perfect. He he, he, he
0: didn't like to see that, evidently.
3: <laughs> or maybe just yeah, got bored it's a with your window. Outing, boy. <laughs> well, great. Well, thanks for the insight.
6: Okay, thank you.
3: Sure. And I'm probably <laughs> not going to be able to get another. Probably won't be able to get the another call in. Thanks, Linda, and just remember. Any kind of any time you're using chemicals, whether it's organic, whether it's inorganic, whether it's liquid or granular, please, whether it's herbicide, fertilizer or anything else, read the label before you make any applications at all. As far as dilution rate, companion mixes, temperature, environmental factors, safety, all that stuff, any kind of chemical, just read what. It says the manufacturer went through a whole process of putting the whole thing together so it would be done right. So it's not like something that just comes rushing out. And again, whether it's insecticides, fertilizers, repellents, fungicides, or anything else, prevent a disaster or creating more problems than what you have by reading the label. Read it and understand it. And if you don't understand it, either go online Or go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and find out more information, what's needed. Or wherever you purchased it, you can go there. And with uh, other things that you need to be thinking about, you can certainly, the ground is getting warm enough that you can get your annuals into the ground. I'm glad summertime is not really here yet. But the pansies and the springtime daffodils and other bulbs, tulips, everything, have been nothing but striking. But I can't wait for the exciting time of summer annuals. They're really good. But also, also keep an eye out, as I was saying before, with the chemicals, bur- bugs and insects are really going to start coming out all over the place, whether larvae, pupa, adults, or anything else, and they can do some damage to some of your plant material. So just keep an eye out. Mike Miller, K. MOS Garden Hotline.
1: I will see you next week.